0: We live in a world bombarded with noise, advertising, social media, self-help initiatives, and an unending amount of information at our fingertips. With so many voices competing for our attention and attempting to direct our lives, how do we know which one to listen to? And in the midst of the noise, how do we determine the will of God? Can his voice be heard above all the others? Tune in. And now, um, this week that we've just entered is the week we've been waiting for. Inasmuch as we are making preparations physically, there's a whole lot that is going on spiritually. There's a whole lot. We've identified things that we need to bring to bear upon our physical lives, and it is happening. So this morning, I'm going to be sharing with you what I've titled, Preparedness to Enter the Next Season. Are you ready to enter the next season? You see, we've been talking about it for the past um, few weeks. About how this season that is coming is a season that has been prepared by the Holy Spirit, and He designed it Himself. You know, naturally speaking, we you know we're not smart enough to be able to design the plans of God. But when He designs it, it is then for us to follow it. Praise God, walking on the path that He's already planned and prepared ahead of us to walk in, so that we can continue to enjoy the good life. Praise God. As a church, we're stepping into our eighth year, which is representative or rather is indicative of a, a fresh start, of a fresh start. And if it's a fresh start, it means that there are things that will start to happen that you wonder, God, has this been here and I've not seen it? Do you know why? Because the book of First Peter tells us that everything you ever need for life and godliness has been given to you. So if it's been given, where are they? Where are they? Like Casey said this morning, he said, call them forth. You know, use your words. Use your words. You know, I think I preached a message uh, probably a few years ago are titled, Use Your Words. Because when kids are growing up, you encourage them to use your words. And at times, the first thing they do is just to cry. They just cry. They keep crying. And you're thinking, what's wrong with you? When you were three months old, I, I, I can I assume and imagine what that meant. But now that you're four, crying will not cut it. You've got to use your words. What is it? Talk to me. We've got three kids. So I know what I'm talking about. All right, you, back then, they would come into the room and crying. And I'm thinking, come on, what is it? What is it? Because we needed to encourage them to use their words. My kids were the laziest. They would not want to say anything, aside from my girl. But the two boys, they wouldn't say anything. They would just look at you. I'd rather keep quiet. I'm like, oh, no, like father, like son. OK. So, <laughs> so, so, so they would not use their words. And I'm thinking, come on, guys. Let's fix this now. And we continue to encourage them to use their words. And now when they speak, when they talk to you, they exp- express what is going on inside. You know, there are people, they, 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 you know, they, they can just only think about it. They, they're mulling over it in their mind, but they can't express it. As God's people, we should not keep the, the knowledge of God's word just in here. We should bring them forth. We should bring them forth. And how do we bring them forth? By speaking them. And you cannot speak them unless you believe them. It's not speaking until, until you've believed. Whatever you say without believing is not speaking, it's talking. You don't just want to talk, you want to speak. Because it's in the speaking that there is authority. Hallelujah. It's in the speaking that there's authority. There's no authority in talking. Anyone can talk, but not not everyone can speak. If that makes sense. Not everyone can speak. You speak with a purpose. And when we talk with a purpose, that means there's something that is backing the words that we speak. And that is the word of God. Praise God. So, being our eighth year is a year to start all over. Our seventh year, we called it what? The year of rest. The year of rest. And some of us really rested. Even when you didn't want to, you were locked in. Isn't it? But now it's time to determine God, thank you. Thank you for the doors that you've opened. Thank you for the light that you have shown. Thank you for the path that you've prepared ahead of us. Thank you. And it's not a season to beg. It's not a season to cry. It's a season to enjoy. Praise God. It's a season to come into your inheritance and and just enjoy it. And I'm saying that as a church... Well, you make the church, isn't it? The church is not a building. The church is the individuals collectively together. So in other words, God is quite keen on your increase. And if he's keen on your increase, then that means he wants you to grow in such a way that he'll be proud of you. Because every increase that comes to you brings glory to God. When our kids are doing well, we are proud, aren't we? We're proud. When they are doing great at school, we just, you know, just go, fantastic. You know, my kids were doing homeschooling, and, uh, and particularly my oldest, he can just do his work by himself. I, it, it didn't feel like I was homeschooling him, you know, because he did his work by himself. And every now and again, I just think, oh, God, I hope he's doing what he's meant to be doing. And then I see he's on the phone, or rather on FaceTime, talking to his friends. And telling them what to do. And I'm thinking, why are you calling your friends? And no, they called me. And guess what? As a dad, I just sit back and smile. I'm proud. I'm proud. And that's what God wants, us, wants to see in us that you're being fruitful and productive, not all by yourself, but in Him, through Him, and for Him. That you become a channel of blessing. That you are not the end in yourself, but rather you are the means by which others are blessed. That when others are praying for blessing, God positions you on their path. Praise God. Come on, did you get that? When others are praying to be blessed, God positions you on their path. Hear what it said to Abraham. Abraham, in blessing, I will bless you, and in multiplying, I will multiply your seed. He said, and blessed shall they be that blesses you, and cursed will they be that that curses you. In other words, Abraham, you're already blessed. It's not because you're being blessed by others that causes your blessing. He said, I will be your blessing. That's what he said. He said, nevertheless, anyone who empowers you to prosper, I will empower them to prosper. So in other words, Abraham became a factor. For those who intend to be blessed and don't cross his path. Praise God. Are we still here? Yes. God is preparing us for the next season. And as we step into the next season this week, something is about to happen. Praise God. Something is about to happen. Do you know? Do you know this is a transformation edge church? The transformation that it means here we always say a change is inevitable. In other words, regardless of where you've been in life, regardless of how big you've become, there is still somewhere to go. There's still a change that can happen. Because in God, in God, can I tell you, in God, there is the depth, the width, the height, and the breadth. There is. And we've got to explore these four, you know, domains of life together with him. Praise God. But one thing that could stand against you is distraction. Distraction. You don't want to be distracted this time. You want to be purposeful. You want to cut out every manner of distraction. <laughs> mm. You remember Solomon, right? You remember Solomon. Solomon was the wisest king in his day and the richest in his day. God blessed him so much that people would come to him just to hear him. And can I tell you, there were no airplanes back then. The best you could get was horses. And not everyone could ride on a horse, especially when it's in the king's trail. The queen of Sheba Came with so many people, not all of them were on chariots and horses, some of them were walking. So, in other words, they would walk many million miles just to get to Solomon, just to hear him. He, he, you know, he did the best in his time for himself. He applied the principle of 70, 25, and 5. And what is that? The principle of 70. 25 and 5 is that 70% of your time to the areas of your strength because if you pay 70% to the area of your weakness you are done but to the area of your strength because that's what, what God has anointed you to do and that's why I always encourage people please do not let Instagram determine how you live your life because that's not you that's someone else you could have ideas that's great but don't become it don't, because, don't, don't allow thumbs up or likes to determine the path for your life because there are so many people with hundreds and thousands of thumbs up that are still very empty on the inside Thumbs up is a plaster that is covering an emptiness that's already there. It will not, it will not make you happier. Are you still here? It's true. It's the same with the, you know, with the accolades of people. Yeah, we all like to be said something beautiful about, but don't let that determine your joy. Don't let that determine how happy you could be. If people are not saying good things about you, does not mean that they don't like you, or rather does not mean that you're not good. Yeah. You are good all by yourself, wow. yes. as long as you're a child of God. Yes. You are good all by yourself. You know, someone, a man of God whom oh I really love and I appreciate, said, People. <laughs> People don't like me because they don't know me. So because if they know me, they will like me. Say, see, do you know why? Because I know myself, because I like myself. <laughs> right? It's true. So when they come to know you, they will love you. So that principle of 70, 25, and 5. Give 70% of your time to your area of strength. What is your area of strength? What is that thing that you do good? What is that thing that, that drives your passion? Give 70% to it. And that's possibly, most possibly, the area that you grow in. The area that your light will shine better. And then, give 25% of your time to the areas you want to improve. So the area that you want to improve actually then becomes your, um, what do you call it? What's the word? Um, becomes your, if it's not your profession, what is it? Huh? Hobby. Someone said hobby. Thank you. That's why people like you are there, to remind me of those words. Praise God. Yeah, so 25% is obviously your hobby, and if it's your hobby, then you can give 25% to them, develop them, develop areas that you want to see improved. But don't let it be what takes all of your time. And then, if you will, give 5% to, your, to the area of your weakness. But if you concentrate all your strength on your weakness, say, oh Lord, help me, help me grow in this area. And you have no clue. You've not been anointed there. You waste all your precious moments. Solomon, Solomon knew his area of strength was in wisdom. He concentrated on that. Everything around him you know, just expressed wisdom. But like I said earlier... The devil can't have it and he won't allow you to have it. So be careful of distraction. Because there are so many things that he puts in front of you. He would never put in front of you something that you don't like. You know that? Because it's only something that you like that becomes a distraction. Distraction might as well be a blessing. However, the particular one that distracts you is not for you. So instead of being carried away by what does not belong to you, stay put, wait on God. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall shall walk and they shall run and not faint. So don't be distracted. Because when you get distracted, you are deviating from the call of God in your life. Solomon did the same thing. He was distracted, First Kings 11, from, from, from verse 1 to 43. That's quite a long one, so we probably might not read it, but you can go, get home and read it. Distractions brings about a deviation from the call of God in your life. And what could be your distraction? For Solomon, it was women. Right? Anyone who says yes, anyone who looks my way. And of course, he was attractive. The guy was smart. He was wise. Oh, read the the Songs of Solomon. He had those words. There's no woman he will speak to that won't follow him home. It was as simple as that, isn't it? Of course, that's why he got how many wives? 700 wives and 300 concubines and counting, possibly. But the problem mostly was because he loved strange women. Can we be correct here? It was not about the number. It was about the constituents. Because back then, you know, they could, they could get away with it. Not today. At least we know better now. <laughs> All right, please stop there. Okay. All right. But he loved many strange women. And because he loved strange women, they, you know, seriously, uh, <laughs> um, you think you're the head of the home. Figuratively. Actually, the head of the home is the one who controls the heart. He's the one who, you know, she's the one who goes, "Um, you want to do that? Okay, let's see. And you are never at rest. (laughs) And that was why these women were able to invite their own gods, their own idols into the city but this guy was a man of God. Do you remember he was the one who built the temple? That on the day that the temple was uh, being consecrated, the priest who would usually minister could not stand for the glory of God that was present in the temple. This was the same guy who allowed other idols to be brought into the city. And he didn't stop there. He would also go himself and worship. Worship what? Distraction. Distraction. You allow a little, it will come in and sit down fully. Distraction. What are those things that act as distractions in our lives? You think it's just a little, I'll just do it only today. Don't worry, I won't do it anymore. Then it becomes something that we do almost all the time. Distractions are things that we enjoy. We enjoy them although it's not good for you. Number two, as self-absorption. You become consumed with your own self. You become consumed with your growth. You become consumed with the wealth that had been given to you. You become consumed to the point where you feel like every other person is small. I read a scripture while I was preparing. It was about Nabal, Nabal and his wife Abigail, Nabal was a rich man, David, David was considering, because David had done something good for his, um, his uh, shepherds who were you know, shepherding his sheep, um, but he came and asked Nabal, he sent servants to him and asked Nebel, Nabal, please give me anything that you think for me and my people so that at least we, we can eat. And Nabal, because he was rich. You see, people who are rich, they don't think twice. They don't actually, don't think. You know, they speak roughly. All right? And he spoke roughly, not thinking that the person I'm speaking about is the king. He said, go, go away. You guys will run away from your masters and go start your own thing. Go away. You get nothing from me. And they went back and told David what Nabal had said. And David took 400 of his men with swords, plus himself, 401. And they were coming back to see Nabal until Abigail, his wife, Heard about it, heard about what the husband did earlier. No, he didn't even know that David was coming, but he heard about what the husband had done, how he spoke roughly about the king. And she thought, this is war. So she quickly took as many things as she can take, every gift that she could find, took it and ran towards the direction of David. Before David could enter the city, she was there, fell on her feet and said, I'm so sorry. My husband, just like his name, <laughs> so he is. He's so foolish. How dare he do that? He said, however, I know. See, Abigail was a prophetess. He said, However, I know that you will surely become king and that you will rule over cities. Say, because God has positioned you. Say when you do become, remember me. Ten days later, Nabal died. The rest is history. David took advantage, got Abigail home. Well done. But self-absorption could distract you. So absorbed in what you already know. So absorbed in what you've already acquired. So absorbed in the things that... See, what you already have or what you already know, you are not the first person. So I'd rather... It doesn't distract you from the will and purposes of God for you. Then the next one is the loss of God's presence. Because when you are distracted and there is self absorption, you do not consider the presence of God who resides in you. And because you don't consider Him, He feels distant. The hunger that you used to have for the things of God is no longer there, it is dry. Just the little one that you used to have just dries up. And you don't even consider God anymore. You you, you wake up like every other person. People are praying. You think, what are they doing? Why are they wasting their time? Loss of God's presence. You've lost appetite for the things of God. And at times that stops us from becoming what God has actually proposed for us in the next season. All right, And then the, the fourth one is the pursuit of pleasure. Because when you lose God's presence, guess what's going to come up? Every other thing that fills that, that void. Everything else that fills the void. So if God's presence is not there, that keeps you in line to do the right thing all the time, you are running wild. Same thing that happened to to, um, to Solomon. And actually, these are the lessons that, we, you know, that we've learned from Solomon from First Kings chapter 11 from verse 1 to 43. And then the final one is emptiness. Because if there's no longer uh, you know, uh, the presence of God in your life and then you start to pursue pleasure, guess what? There's going to be complete emptiness. You might have many houses. You might have many businesses, but yet you're completely empty. And we don't want to be there when nothing satisfies anymore. Are we still here? All right. And I just thought to... Remind you of that very quickly because it's important when we are about to step into the next season. You know what could stop you, and don't let it stop you. You see, you know, possibly up until now you've done the bare minimum. You've done just whatever it takes, you know, um, just to pass. You know, I've heard someone said, um, you know, 50 is a pass mark, and 50 is also graduate, right? But don't let your life radiate around that. How about excellence? How about top? Don't just do the bare minimum, you know, so that I just rock up or so so that I just show up. I'll just pray because I, I, you know, and the Holy Spirit is saying pray. Or even take a day of prayer and fasting. And then instead of actually purposefully fasting because you forgot to eat in the morning, and then you just consider it fasting God, I'm already fasting. That is not how it works. It's not how it works. We've got to be purposeful. If you're going to date him, date him well. Plan to have a date with him. You're going to pray. Well, you can pray anytime, but there is that particular time where you have a date with him, and you say, you know what, it's me and you, let's have a date night tonight. We can. And this is to prepare us for what is coming. And this is what is coming. Are you here? Isaiah chapter number 45. Because God has already set ahead of us something amazing, something great, something glorious. And here is what it says in chapter 45, verse number 2. And I'm reading from the Amplified Translation, the classic edition. It said, I will go before you. <laughs> I will go before you and level the mountains. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise God. Oh, God. Hey. So, I'll go before you and level the mountains. In other words, there will not be barrier on your way. Amen. Nothing can stand before you. And your destiny. He says. To make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze. And cut asunder the bars of iron. And I will give you. Did you see that? He said. I will give you the treasures of darkness. And hidden riches of secret places. That you may know. That it is I. The Lord. The God of Israel. Who calls you by name. So that's what I'm doing. That's what I will do. That's what I will do. (laughs) Deuteronomy chapter thirty-one, verse number eight. Say it is I, the Lord, who goes before you. It is I who goes before you. He will match with you. He will not fail you or let you go or forsake you. There will be no cowardice or flinching. But fear, but fear not. Neither become broken in spirit or depressed or dismayed or unnerved with alarm. So fear not. Why? Because I'm the one who goes before you. don't be afraid. So we are stepping into a time like no other. It's a, is a time of refreshing. It's a time to start something new. It's a time when you step in, you just know you, you just know there's something, there's something new starting in my life. It's is a new level of life. Next. Deuteronomy chapter eight: I know I've got seven seconds. Let's make this count. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse number 7, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. Hear this. It says, For the Lord your God is bringing you. Say say that with me. The Lord is bringing me. Say, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Glory to God. He said, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs that flows out of valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of olive oil and honey. A land in which, hear this, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. Yeah. Hallelujah. So that's where he's bringing you into. In which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron, and out of, those, out of whose hills you can dig copper. He said, when you have eaten, when you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. You see, the point here is that he's not thinking, should I give you or shouldn't I? He has already given you. And he's telling you how you're going to respond in the land. And what the land is going to spew out for you. You've got to milk the land. You've got to milk it. Why? Because everything you ever, you know, require is already in the land. It's already in the land. It's already in the land. So all you've got to do is just to call it forth. You know, I was talking with one of my team the other day and, and we're talking. He said, we'll come to a point Why you are still thinking it, it is happening. You've not even spoken it. Why you are still thinking it, it gets created for you. Yeah. And that's the thing. No, think about it. Jesus, someone came to him and said, uh, or came to his disciples and said, does your master even pay the taxes? And Jesus said, you know, Uh, let's just do the right thing. Although the sons are exempted, but let's do the right thing. How about go to the next stream or river, or whatever it was, and the first fish that comes up, he said, catch it. In this mouth, you will find two denarii. He said, one for you and one for me. Pay the taxes. How did Jesus know that a fish would have a coin in his mouth? And this is always my, you know, my thoughts. You know, I, I, I visualize what the fishes were thinking. The master said it. I've got to be the first. And probably a school, of, uh, a school of prophets, no. A school of fishes ran down to the depth of the sea looking for a coin that Jesus spoke about. And the first one to get to the top. Do you know why? Because Jesus, it was spoken of him not once but twice. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. He didn't say people, hear ye him. So in other words, it's everything, everything on earth. And that is why he could speak to the wind. He could speak to people. He could raise the dead. And that was what the devil thought and heard because he knows every word that God speaks has potency. Right So he came to Jesus and said, "If you are the Son of God, turn the stones to bread, because He already had, God said, Hear ye him." He knew the stone would hear him. See, a time came, Jesus Jesus was almost getting to the point where he would actually do something with the stones. when the children were hailing him and saying, "Hey king of, um, king of Israel, Hosanna to the king!" And the people were trying to stop them. And Jesus said, if you stop these ones, I will raise storms. Right there. Right there. Could he do it? Yes. But he did he do it? Actually, yes. Do you know actually that we are the stones that he was talking about? We were never counted in. Who were never counted in. But well, here we are. Praise God. Here we are. Hallelujah. All right, all right, all right. Okay, my time is up. All right, let's go. Verse number 10. It said, when you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Now here it says, verse number 11 said, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. You know what we talked about earlier? Solomon was so blessed that he became self-absorbed. He became distracted. You are going to be so blessed. But don't take after Solomon. Can I say this to you? No one knows when the distraction will come. But we've got to be mindful of every point, every time. And possibly one way to get rid of distraction is to point to Jesus all the time. Point to Jesus. And the, those things that are not of Jesus will fall away. Point to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12. we say, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Point to Jesus all the time. It says, verse 11 again, it Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgment and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, And when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fairy serpents and scorpions and thirst land, uh, where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. He yeah. said, so then you, you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. So said, don't let really it get to the point where I have settled you and brought you peace, and you think this is all you. And I, I, like, I like it when God speaks to us this way, because then there is an assurance that we are coming into what he has already prepared for us. There's an assurance, completely. There's no doubt in my mind. Nevertheless, when you do get there, don't get carried away. In Jesus' name. Verse number 18, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. For what? For what reason? That he may establish his covenant which is swore to your fathers, not to you. So the reason why you are blessed is because of what someone has already did. So don't ruin it. Why? Because that same covenant is now applied to you and it will be applied to your generations to come. Don't stop it in your time. In the name of Jesus. I would have loved to read another part. But, 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 but can I? Can, can I? Yes. All right, thank you. Hebrews, oh, sorry, not Hebrews. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 6. Says, these words which I'm commanding you today. Can you say that with me? Today. today. All right, so you mark today. Because this is the last Sunday before we step into the next season. All right, so you mark today. You say, these words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. And you shall repeat them. Say with me, repeat them. Uh Uh-huh. So you've got some work to do. First, it shall be on your heart. Number two, you shall diligently repeat them to your sons. And speak of them when you sit in your house, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. You shall also tie them as a sign to your hand, and you shall be... And they shall be as frontlets on your forehead. You shall also write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Do you know these days, when I was growing up, one of the things that I used to see on cars were these uh, stickers with, you know, scriptures and, and so many amazing things. But do you know, these days, people would rather put, um, you know... Uh, We'd rather put something social than put something about God. Because we've come to the point where we are so ashamed of who we are. Let's bring that back. What's the scripture saying? It says, write it on your doorstep. In other words, let everyone know. Let everyone know. To so speak of it to your children. Say, repeat it. Isn't that what it said? You say, repeat them diligently to your sons. Say them. Say it over to them. You see, I don't know. I don't know. My kids are only just growing up. But, but, but <clears throat> my kids will not grow up to the point where they say, uh, Dad, I don't feel like going to church anymore. Seriously? I brought you into this world. I will take you out. <laughs> but no, that wouldn't happen. But, but see, why? Because the scripture says, Train up a child in the way he should go. So I continue to repeat these things to them. So the only thing they actually ever know is the word of God. And we've got to keep doing it. That won't stop in my my time. My dad passed on the baton and I've got to pass it on. Do you know what it took for so many, for for the gospel to come to you? The lives of many. Just for the gospel to come to you. Why would you drop the baton? Even in your own home. You're in my house and you're not going to church? Find your own home. Because as for me and my house. That's what the scripture says. That's what Joshua said. And let that happen. If I'm more upset that you don't do chores, I would be more upset that you don't go to church. Okay, you don't want to do church, that's fine. But you have to go to church. So does that mean I'm just going to church for you? Yes, we can start from there. It is true. Let's start from there. The more I present you to God, the more I present you to God, you have nowhere else to go. I keep presenting you to God. And his word keeps hitting you. His extras keeps going through your body. Before you know it, you have nowhere else to go. You might go far, but you find yourself running back home. It's a tell it diligently to your children. Diligently to your children. And that's why I always say, before you ever get married, get to know, <laughs> strategize your, your future. Get to know if this marriage that I'm getting into is the one that will take me away from God or keep me encouraged in God if it's the one that will take you away from God, you are doomed. Not just your marriage, you. Because you will struggle and struggle and struggle. It will either end in divorce or you'll be there regretting for the rest of your life. Do you know why? Because every time you hear the word of God, there's an anointing that is placed on you. And that anointing will continue to be on you. It protects you. But you see, There's another relationship that tends to lift the lead of the anointing of you. And don't stand that. Don't stand that. There's so many other reasons why it's important that when you're getting married, you get married to a Christian. But most especially because you're God's child. Can light and darkness ever mix? don't let them come to church because of you. Ah, 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 that came out wrong. But hear what I'm trying to say. They came to church just to get your attention. And then that was where it ends. See, I will start coming to church because you you are a Christian, but church is not my thing. Oh, you've got to get born again. You've got to be born again because unless you are born again, there is there is no seeing the kingdom of God for you. And if I love you, I've got to tell you the facts. All right, we've just changed our message, haven't we? Okay. (laughs) Praise God. Mm. Verse number 10, and that's the last one. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 10. Said, then it shall come to pass. It shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build. Can I say that? Which you did not build. So this time, the city is bringing you to is a city that's already built. You are not to do anything in the city. All you've got to do is just to live in it and enjoy it and claim it. That's what it says. It says, ah, ah. So then it shall come to pass, verse 10 again, when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities, which you did not build, and houses full of all good things, which you did not feel, and carved cisterns, which you did not carve out, vine and olive trees, which you did not plant, and you eat and are satisfied. Say, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Hallelujah. There's an assurance that God is leading us into a new season, and that season is a season of greatness. The season of greatness, the season of joy, and it's in all ramification. We are not just talking about physical wealth; we're talking about emotional wealth. We're talking about mental wealth. In the name of Jesus, that in every area of your life you become so successful. In the name of Jesus, you may have gone through and experienced a very negative relationship, but as you step into the next season, there is a changing that is in place. There is a turning around of things. That the years of locusts and the caterpillars have eaten will be restored back to you. In the name of Jesus. And that's what he has said. And if he said that, and I believe it, that settles it. That settles it. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Have you been blessed? Praise God. Can we stand on our feet? Praise God. Woo! Glory to God. Glory to God. As we step into the new season. Uh, feel free to explore. As we step into the new season, let the Spirit of God lead you by himself. No, this time it's not time to depend on your own smartness, but it's time to just walk with him. He said, the Lord shall go before you and make the mountains leveled. He levels the mountain. He levels every negative thing that has been standing on your way. Those things that you thought has come to stay in your life will be taken out. Amen. Will be taken out. What did Jesus say about the mountain? He said, if you have said as small as a mustard, he said, you shall say unto this mountain, be ye removed and be ye cast into the sea. And he said, and it shall be so. It is time to change things and use your mouth. Use your mouth. Use your words in the name of Jesus. Can I give you the next one minute? to determine what you need to happen, what you need to see. Those areas that have been pulling you down or that you've been feeling pinches is the time to de- declare, in the name of Jesus, it will be a theme of the past because you're stepping into a new season with new opportunities. In the name of Jesus. The message you've heard was produced by The Transformation Edge and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com or you may contact us via email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com or on Facebook, The Trans Edge Church. You may wish to call us on 4731 2419. The Trans Edge. A change is inevitable.